Good morning. The Lord is risen. That's pretty good for a non-liturgical church. My name is Randy and I will be sharing with you this morning. Today we've gathered to celebrate and remember the most significant event in human history next to creation. 2,000 years ago, he slipped into our world through the back roads and outlying districts of one of the least important places on earth and has allowed his program for human history to unfold ever so slowly through the centuries. He lived for 30 years among socially insignificant members of a negligible nation, though one with a rich tradition of divine covenant and interaction. He grew up in the home of the carpenter for the little Middle Eastern village of Nazareth. After his father Joseph died, he became the man of the house and helped his mother raise the rest of the family. He was an ordinary workman, a blue-collar worker. He did all this to be with us, to be one of us, and to arrange for the delivery of his life to us. It must be no simple thing to make it possible for human beings to receive the eternal kind of life. The birth, life, death, resurrection, and glorification of Jesus Christ was the most significant event in human history. Today we join some 2.2 billion other Christians around our world who are also celebrating this Jesus whom we know as Son of God, Savior, and Lord. We're currently in a series called Following Jesus, His Life and Teaching. Each week we are providing a handout. I hope that you'll get that either here, it'll be available to you out. And each week we're looking at stories and teachings from the life of Jesus. And our intention has been to particularly notice how did Jesus live? And what was this life, this new life, this eternal life that he was inviting us to live. For the last few weeks, we've particularly looked at what Jesus said related to this topic of life. In John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. I pointed out last week that the word, or I pointed out when I taught through this, that the word Jesus uses there to contrast eternal life is the word perish, not the word death. The word perish in contrast to life describes a life that is spoiling, rotten, decaying. It's a life that is being ruined destroyed and lost. Life that we live on our own according to what we think is best is a life that ultimately leads to ruin. Eternal life, the life that Jesus has offered to us, is life in all its fullness. It is the life we were created and designed to live. It is the life with God, living according to what God thinks is best and leads to joy, peace, purpose, reconciliation, healing, restoration. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. A picture of perishing. But he said, I came to give life, life in all its fullness. 
Last week we looked at a passage from John 15 where Jesus explains how we can experience this eternal life rather than this perishing life that so many experience. In John 15, 4 and 5, Jesus gave us a, a, a metaphor, a picture to help us understand how to experience this life. Not as something only in the future after we die, but something that we're to live and experience today, right now, and every day of our lives. Jesus said, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Eternal life, the only real life, is a life lived in and through and with Jesus, the Father and the Spirit. It's experienced as we live in connected relationship with God. To the degree that we're in connected relationship with Jesus, His life will flow in and through us, producing the fruit of abundant life. To the degree that we live life on our own as we think best, disconnected from Jesus, the Father and the Spirit, we will experience perishing, a diminishing life that ultimately will result in death. For apart from Jesus is to be apart from He who is life. As we celebrate Easter, remembering the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, might we, in joy and fullness of life, turn from reflection of the past unto a view of the present and the future. What the cross and the resurrection were unto was new life. Today, now. These verses describe to us more about that kind of life. I'm going to read to you from John 17. This portion is a prayer of Jesus that concluded the significant teaching by Jesus to his disciples the night before his crucifixion. Here was a part of that prayer. Jesus praying to the Father, Father, I am coming to you and will remain in the world no longer. But they are in the world. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known 
so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Before we look at this topic, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming, for entering our world, taking on flesh, becoming like us, to show us the way, to lead us back to the Father, for we have gone astray. Father, thank you for your great and amazing love evidenced in the giving of your Son and your desire for us to know of your love. Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing revelation, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear what we've perhaps missed before, as well as to be able to live and enter and be a part of this with God life that you, Jesus, have welcomed us to, have made the means to restore relationship to fullness of life. And it is in your name, Jesus, we pray. Let it be so. One of the truths that we hold at the core of our Christian belief is that God is one, while also three, which is not easily grasped. One writer summarized the creeds this way, we believe that the one God eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that these three are one God, co-equal, co-eternal, having precisely the same nature and attributes, and worthy of precisely the same worship, confidence, and obedience. In Jesus' prayer that we read, he highlights this unity that he has with the Father numerous times. In verse 11 and in verse 22, he's speaking to the Father. He says, as we are one. In verse 21, he says, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. And then in verse 23, I in them and you in me. Jesus also spoke of this earlier that evening after the Passover meal. He was sharing with the disciples, and he says, If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who abides in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Jesus says here, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. He says, I am in the Father. The Father is in me. He says, the Father who abides in me does his works. Jesus is referencing, speaking about that oneness, that union 
of person that is present between them. The description and words Jesus is using here related to the Father and himself are the same description and words that he uses in chapter 15 to describe the relationship that Jesus has with us. Abiding in Christ in us, we in Christ. Jesus in the Father, the Father in Him. And here he describes this same element in chapter 17 when describing how we together as his followers are also in the Father and the Son. In some amazing and profound way that the Father is in and abides in the Son and the Son is in and abides in the Father, so we as believers, have been invited to be in and abide in the Father and the Son. Even as the Father and Son are in and abide in us. The very life that Jesus lived in and with the Father is the life that they are inviting us to have with them. That is the good news. The life that we have known and experienced, this perishing life, is not life at all. It's a diminishing from, it's a losing of real life. Life in God, with God, with God's life in us is the only true life. But not only is Jesus referencing and talking here in these various passages about his union with the Father and his union with us, he highlights an interesting element and one I think that we tend to skip over as a part of the outcome of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, the life that he has called us to, and that is a union with one another. As profound as that idea is that we are to be in union with Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit, Jesus describes something even more amazing, which is that we, as their followers, are to be one as they are one. Listen to these phrases from Jesus' prayer. That they may be one as we are one. Verses 11 and 22. Verse 21. That they may all be one. And verse 23. That they may be completely, teleos, one. Holy and completely one. One. Jesus could have prayed for a lot of things for us, and there are numerous other elements that he describes and prays for in that prayer in chapter 17, but his desire for us to be one is not trivial. It is at the core of his plan for the continuation of his mission and ministry. Listen to these two statements. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then in verse 23, he says, I in them, you in me, that they may be completely one, so that the world, the very world that's described in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, humankind, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. At the very heart of Jesus' plan for the world to know of his saving work 
is that we together would be and abide in them. And secondly, through our becoming completely one as his followers, the world would know that Jesus had been sent by the Father and that we and all of humanity are passionately loved by God. So what does it mean for Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit to be one? What does it mean for us together to be one with Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit? And what does it mean for us to be one with one another? It means to be one in goal and purpose. To be one in goal and purpose. There's no question that Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit were of one purpose, of one mind. In Jesus taking on humanity, living, dying, and being raised again. That the world and humankind wouldn't perish, be ruined or destroyed, but would be saved delivered and restored to intimate, ongoing, and connected relationship with the Trinity. There's no question that they were one in this goal, in this purpose. And yet in the garden, Jesus questions. He, he struggles with the understanding that he has for what the next day would bring. And he says, Father, if there is any other way, let it be so. But not my will. Your will be done. Father and Son and Spirit were and have always been and will always be one in goal and purpose. And it means to be one in selfless, sacrificial love for one another and others. Did you notice Jesus' words about love in these verses? Verse 23 says, I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Our oneness, our unity together in purpose and in love is the vehicle for the world to experience the love of God. That they have been loved that they are loved, even as you have loved me. Then in verse 24, Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And then verse 26, I made your name known to them and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. To be one means to be one in love. In greater regard for another than for ourself. Listen to these other statements by Jesus about love. John 13, 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our love for one another is supposed to be a metaphor, a portrait, a picture of the very love of God for the Son and the love of the Son for the Father. It is the economy of the kingdom of God. The rule of God is love. God is love. And by this, 
will everyone know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another? John 15, 12 through 13, this is my commandment. These are my instructions that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And John 15, 17, I am giving you these instructions so that you may love one another. This is a crucial aspect that honestly is a huge struggle for us and for his followers throughout the centuries. This very portrait and metaphor of God's love is tarnished. It's missing in places. It's less than it could be. The Apostle John echoes these very same thoughts in 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our, our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, so also ought we love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made teleos, made complete in us. No one has ever seen God, but Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And his intention, what he is saying through these various uh, statements about love, is that in a similar way as he was a picture of the Father and could say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, so we are to be those pictures, those demonstrations, that metaphor, that when they see us and our love for one another, they will see the Father. So what does this all mean and how is it tied to Easter? God's goal and purpose in sending Jesus was to demonstrate his love and provide the means for humankind to know his love, to be restored to being those who love as we were designed to be. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were all about love. To the degree that we be those who love God, love one another, and love his broken and hurting world, to that degree the world will know and experience God's love. And what does love look like? What is the love that we're to have for one another? Well, it looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus who laid down his life, considering the needs of the other, considering our needs greater than his own. Relationship with and love of God and others is what Jesus meant when he spoke about life and eternal life. Four years ago, our board began to meet to pray and discern God's heart for our church and its purpose from that praying and discerning, God helped us to articulate his calling, his purpose for us through what we call our church narrative. Put that up on the screen, Danny. The Vineyard Church is part of the great family of God, seeking to become like Jesus in all things through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. 
as we experience God's great love for us, we love Him. We love one another. And we love His lost and hurting world. In this narrative, we believe are the directives, the purposes for Vineyard Church of San Antonio. We are to seek to become like Jesus in all things, not the least of which is to love as He loved. But we don't do this on our own, but we do it through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. We do it with God. And as we experience God's great love for us, demonstrated through Christ most fully, we are able to love Him, to love one another, and to love His lost and hurting world. And through that, become and express the very prayer that Jesus prayed that night as an answer and a fulfillment at least in this part of God's great family. Jesus prayed, God, that they might be one. On that evening with his disciples, the night before his crucifixion, Jesus not only taught them about love, he showed them love. He washed their feet. And then later he gave them and us a picture, a metaphor, to remember his sacrificial life. Matthew tells us, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the, trans, for the forgiveness of sins. The worship team, go ahead and come on up. Communion is a spiritual practice that we do together as a part of the family of God, as a part of the body of Christ. Communion is communal. First, in that Jesus is here with us. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, Where two or three gather together as my followers, there I am among them. Jesus is here. The Father is here. The Spirit is here this morning. And Jesus has provided to us the picture of broken bread and juice. The very sustenance of life. Drink and food. And he says, each time you do this, remember me. Remember that I am your source. Remember that I am who has given you life. Here at the Vineyard, we practice open communion as an expression of our oneness in the body of Christ, which means that if you're a follower of Christ, having believed in Him and His work of reconciliation, having embraced His gift of life, then we welcome you to partake, no matter your church background. Would those who are going to assist please come forward? In a moment after I pray, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And, and if you would please use the two center aisles to come forward. And as you leave, to use the two outer. It'll make this process a little easier. Also, this morning, we're going to hold the elements, not take them at our seats alone, but we're going to hold the elements, and I will lead us to receive the elements together when we're ready for that. During that time while we're waiting, would you just please remember what this is all about? 
This is a picture of the oneness that we have in Christ, the receiving of Christ into us, while at the same time receiving one another as a communal activity. Papa, we thank you for these elements and we thank you, Jesus, for providing this as a picture for us of your life. Holy Spirit, would you come and infuse this time now with your presence, with your life. Might we experience you with us and in us. In Jesus' name. So if you would, just make your way down to the front using the, those two center aisles. That would be the most convenient. Come to one of the lines and then go off to the outside aisles. That would be great. we receive these elements, may we be reminded of Jesus, who is our true food and our true life. May we remember his love for us and his invitation for us to love one another. Take and eat the bread. Might we be reminded 
that Jesus is true drink. That his provision is the one and only true life. And might we be reminded of his love for us and our love for one another. Take and drink. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this day as a memorial. A reminder that you came, Jesus, to give us life. Might we embrace that life fully, even as you offer it. And would you help us to become like you? Would you fill us with your love? Would you empower us, Holy Spirit, to love one another, to love you, to love your lost and broken world. For your glory, O God, and for your great love, we give thanks. In Jesus' name.
filled with the love of God. Be filled with the life of God. Be filled with God. Go forth as His ambassador. Go forth as Christ Himself to love. For His glory, let it be so. If you would like prayer, if you would like to come and just uh, be here at the front, you can do that. If you would like to pray with someone, you can do that. You can remain in your seats. At this point, our service is concluded. Thank you for coming. Have a great week. And might you experience God this week living with you as you live with Him.